Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host Dblex Lesalon. In this third episode of our new series, Vulture Guardians Helping Vultures Soar Again, I talk with Fadzai Matsvimbo. Fadzai is the Preventing Extinctions Program Manager for Birdlife Zimbabwe. She has a passion for building strong networks uh, for collaboration. In her 14 years with Birdlife Zimbabwe, she has advanced the cause for threatened birds and amplified uh, vulture conservation in Zimbabwe and in the uh, nearing regions. Fadzai has been involved in different capacities in the organization, but what still holds her heart is the work on saving African vultures. One of her biggest achievements has been the development of the Zimbabwe Vulture Action Plan. In her free time, Fadzai enjoys traveling and connecting with people from all over. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Hello, Fadzai. Hello, Diblex. How are you? Fine, and you? Fine, thank you. It's so great to have you on, and thank you for accepting our invitation to join us this morning. Well, thank you for the invitation and look forward to having a great conversation. Fantastic. Um, maybe we could just start, we'll just start uh, by, you know, um, you telling us, you know, can you, could you kindly give us a brief background of, you know, Bad Life Zimbabwe and its conservation work? Okay. So Bad Life is a private voluntary organization um, registered within um, Zimbabwe. It's quite an um, old uh, organization, formed in 1951. First of all, it was really a um, group of people interested in birds getting together, but it has evolved to become a fully-fledged conservation organization and involved in different aspects of um, biodiversity conservation in Zimbabwe. So in terms of the conservation work that we do, We've got a thrust that looks at um, species, particularly birds, that are in danger of disappearing or the commonly used scientific term under threat of extinction, where we try and bring in intervention actions uh, to save the birds uh, from disappearing. We also have uh, work around sites that are important for long-term conservation of birds commonly referred to as important bird and biodiversity areas. So again, we've got work where we look at habitat work, restoration, um, and all that, just to make sure that there is habitat that um, survives for long-term uh, support of biodiversity. We also do education and awareness because you know we do need to bring more people into the, um, the conservation agenda and into the conversation. We do also have a trust on education and awareness. And two other elements are also advocacy. We're pushing for policies that also support biodiversity conservation country and also the local engagement empowerment work where we work with local communities to make sure that their voice is amplified for conservation and that you know they also are the custodians of the biodiversity among them. So broadly, that is the conservation work that Bedlam Zimbabwe does. Wow, that's a very good, uh, you know, uh, overview of, of the great work that you, you're doing there as programs manager, you know, um, at, uh, you know, Bad Life Zimbabwe. And uh, since we are talking about vultures, uh, Fadzai, 
uh, why 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 are vultures important in the ecosystem? Okay, so vultures are a key component um, of our ecosystem in that you know they do clean up um, um, the dead animals and carcasses. You know they are nature's cleanup crew. And without having them cleaning up after um, the dead carcasses, there's potential um, proliferation of diseases. So they definitely play an important role. And, you know, their lifestyle is really centered around being uh, obligate scavengers, or basically they cannot survive without scavenging. So they're constantly taking out dead material, dead um, animals out of the ecosystem and they do that you know pretty much quickly so leaving no room for other um, other diseases to either proliferate or for other um, uh, scavenging animals to continue to interact with carcasses and then they also just have an intrinsic value in an existence being of just existing and beautifying our environment and you know what would be the African landscape without Cultures, you know, they do, um, you know, a good connection to the African landscape. Wow, wow, that's that's really nice. And over the years, uh, what are some of the challenges and the biggest threats you have come across uh, facing uh, vultures in Zimbabwe? The biggest one uh, that still remains is um, poisoning. Um, what happens with the poisoning is. Uh, it's not normally targeted at the vultures. Usually it's targeted at high value animals. Um, not that vultures are not high value. Um, <laughs> uh, normally targeted at elephants. So once the elephants get poisoned and the vultures come down to eat, they also get poisoned or what we call secondary poisoning. And because they feed in large numbers, they potentially also get poisoned in quite massive numbers. And, you know, some of the losses over the years, we have had incidences where we've lost 192 at one time in the southern east part of the country. And a recent poisoning, as recent as 2020, we had with 52 birds which were killed in one hit. So these are the kind of figures where we are looking at, you know, big numbers of birds just being wiped in one incident. Um, another threat is the harvesting for belief-based use. So there's also the issue where vouchers are harvested and used in the traditional medicine or belief-based use. And from what we see, it constitutes significantly, probably about 20 to 30% of um, threats to vouchers in our country. And then there are the more subtle and also sort of long-term impacts, such as loss of food, um, food scarcity, which, you know, impact on reproductive efforts, uh, habitat degradation, threats to voucher uh, conservation in our country. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned about food scarcity and mm -hmm. uh, habitat degradation. Do you think these are some of the effects that uh, climate change has accelerated? And uh, do you think climate change is really uh, and, and a threat when it comes to conservation of birds and, you know, them having to face uh, such, uh, you know, challenges in, you know, getting food and uh, their habitat, you know, getting destroyed in, in, in natural ways or a, a human activity on the rice. 
Definitely, the you know the, the the connection between climate change and the habitat degradation is quite um, is quite massive. And whilst it's not acute, uh, whilst it's not um, something that it's where you start seeing changes. You know, places where you used to you used to see more beds breeding, you start to see less. So you constantly looking out to see you know. How then can we mitigate against these changes that are taking place almost so vultures like uh, some of the species they do like uh, the nest, particularly the tree nests. They usually choose, um, especially for white-backed vultures, they choose the biggest tree around. So if those big trees are no longer being found in the landscape, already that uh, does speak a lot to um, their breeding success. So definitely there is that huge impact that comes from climate change. Okay, great. And, and do, do you believe these threats are only unique to Zimbabwe or are they widespread in other parts of Southern Africa? No, oh no, the threats are not just to Zimbabwe alone, which is the biggest worry. The threats are actually across Southern Africa. So we are also potentially looking at, you know, transbound and also because the vouchers are not, um, confined to any one country you know they move long distances except largely for the breeding uh, population they are always at risk either they are in our neighbors countries so the threats are pretty much um, common around southern africa poisoning still the same uh, is the biggest threat in southern africa and also believe best use they still quite uh, rank highly uh, on impact on voucher populations across Southern Africa. So there's need for us, you know, to work together as these um, countries going to work together in order to secure work, to secure habitats and to make sure that there's um, safe spaces for vouchers across the region and not just the individual country. Is this where transboundary joint up conservation comes in? Definitely, the transboundary aspect more and more as we explore it is something that we're beginning to that is quite key um, to the long term conservation of vultures. Because the birds move and use quite a vast space for their life cycle, securing those transboundary spaces and having those transboundary connections. We're looking at it as, you know, as a way of really building into that long-term uh, protection, conservation um, of vultures. I mean, there's no need to protect vultures in one country and then they go and get um, hammered in the next country. So definitely that, that connected approach is really quite, is really quite key. And, you know, it also connects to the wildlife, to the transboundary movement of the wildlife. So the connection, has to be maintained. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, over the years, what, what measures have you managed to put in place to help uh, save these vultures and other birds of prey from extinction? It's been, it's, it's been quite a journey. So one of the things that we have done is Bird Life Zimbabwe with support of our government and particularly with Zimbabwe Parks and Wildlife Management Authority 
has been the development of a voucher action plan. So we've got a Zimbabwe voucher action plan in place. Basically, the plan has um, was an agreement between stakeholders of a series of steps that we need to take in order to further voucher conservation in our country. So the plan speaks to reducing poisoning, increasing the education and awareness outreach, addressing issues of um, belief-based use, and also strengthening our research and an understanding of what is happening with vouchers in our environment. So definitely we've got that plan in place that uh, guides the voucher recovery um, in Zimbabwe. We've also invested in training communities um, to monitor vouchers, to report um, any poisoning incidences. So we're working with communities in the western part of Zimbabwe, where we've also um, highlighted the problem with vouchers, and they're also, you know, being the custodians on the ground, also feeding back into that process. And we've also gone into education and awareness where we are constantly advocating, constantly talking about vouchers on many different platforms, be it on radio, be it you know, via social media, to bring awareness to the plight of vouchers, not just in our country, but on the region as a, as a whole. And we must, you know, and we're quite enjoying the fruits of those uh, labors as we get feedback either from communities, from the different um, government institutions that we work with on, on some of the successes that we've already begun to enjoy as part of those efforts in terms of um, voucher conservation and other beds of prey, but also benefit from those actions that we undertake. Okay, uh, Fadzai, uh, uh, local communities seem to play a, a very key role in in the way you you organize your your projects and your work and uh, belief based use seems to be a big threat also um uh, are, are local community attitudes towards vultures changing uh, have you noticed this over the years you know the issue of changing you know attitudes and beliefs is obviously um something that takes time you know, and it's also something, you know, where we see ourselves not just investing in it over the short term, but really going into it um, over the long term. Um, but what we do see as a result of the awareness and the engagements that we do is the positive response to um, the voucher conservation efforts. Um, we see communities um understanding and demystifying you know that vouchers are just birds that also need to be looked after we also see communities getting involved in the monitoring we also see communities reporting uh issues where they know either vouchers have been killed so but generally you know that change of behavior speaks volumes on their changing attitudes and even the willingness to have the conversations around belief-based use it also speaks volumes to trying to change and trying to understand the issues around vouchers because, you know, previously these are sensitive and difficult conversations. But, you know, once you start having those conversations, you can see that communities are willing to participate, support, and even be on the forefront uh, of voucher conservation um, efforts. Oh, I totally agree with you on that one because when when you start now having 
those conversations with the communities. Now it opens up mm -hmm. other avenues or other yes. issues which you are not even, you know, on the on mm -hmm. the on the on, on the table, yeah. And uh, Fadzai, could you please tell us more about uh, the Vulture Safe Zones projects uh, that you help run? All right. So. The Voucher Save Zones projects that we are working on is really a concept where we are looking at creating safe spaces of havens uh, for vouchers and where, con and where you know, uh, voucher conservation efforts can be concentrated. So we are working in, at two sites. One is Gwai Intensive Conservation Area, and the second area where we are working is Study Value Conservancy. So basically what we are doing in these two areas is that we are... Um, building capacity one to monitor the voucher populations. It's quite important that we do understand what's happening to the voucher populations and also use it as a measure of understanding how effective our conservation efforts are. We also put in the education and awareness so that there's a general awareness of what is happening with vouchers in their areas and also in other parts um, of the country. We also, form what are called voucher support groups. So these are groups of uh, individuals that volunteer to spearhead voucher conservation in their communities. And we're happy at that in one site, in Gwai Conservancy, we've got four voucher support groups, you know, with different um, numbers of uh, membership. And the exciting thing is there's young people in there, there's women in there, that are coming forward and saying what we want to be part of this movement. We want to be part of um, people that will be remembered as having saved vouchers from extinction. So really, really exciting times there. So really looking forward to really expanding that voucher saves on work. And we're also potentially looking at um, the transboundary aspect of these voucher save zones. So the two that I've mentioned are within uh, the confines of our country of Zimbabwe, but we're actually looking at how then can we connect these voucher safe spaces across our borders. So we are also potentially exploring another area in the southwestern part of the country where we can collaborate with Botswana and with South Africa to create a transboundary voucher safe zone um, as part of you know securing those big spaces um, that vouchers need for their survival. Okay, great. And how crucial is it uh, to work with young people in uh, spearheading, you know, and creating awareness uh, to, towards the protection of vultures? You know, young people are and will, you know, in the continued future be the custodians um, of not just the vultures, but the biodiversity in their areas. And also having their energy, you know, young people are so full of energy. It's so exciting when you work with them, you know, they've got this energy, new ideas, um, willingness to learn. So they do bring, you know, that extra zeal and energy into the conservation efforts. And also learning um, what are the issues that also impact them on a daily basis that helps them in getting involved in voucher conservation. So they are quite uh, a key aspect in terms of um, voucher conservation. And sometimes some of the work that we do is also physically demanding. And we do find them, you know, coming forward and saying, you know what, we are the people with the energy, we can get around. So it's always exciting to have the young people and their ideas um, involved. And also, you know, their mix and 
learning from their um, from their from their parents and also sharing with their peers about voucher conservation. So quite exciting to work with young people. Wow, wow, that's that's awesome. And on the on the same trail of thought, Fadzai, um, do you believe conservation should be introduced to children at a young age in their in their schools curriculum? Oh yes, no doubt, no oh yes, no doubt about that. You know, the earlier we can start with them, the earlier that you know their young minds can start thinking about biodiversity, start thinking about vulture conservation, can start thinking about uh, looking after, you know, looking after Mother Earth, the better we can have, you know, improved results. And we see that, you know, the young people that have got an appreciation for nature as they grow, they never leave that connection. You know, once that idea is in them, as they grow, they don't stray far from it. So starting young is probably the best way to go. And you see through as they come into, you know, uh, adulthood, they have that sense of appreciation. They'll share stories about, you know, at their early years, how they connected with nature. And then also share that passion, that dedication, that appreciation for nature with other young, with also other younger people. So definitely uh, including this, curriculum studying at a young age plus 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 yes wow indeed i, I totally agree with you on that one indeed young people <laughs> yeah. are our future are our future and there are resources that we should tap into to 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 realize the conservation dream um yeah. could you please could you please highlight some of the uh, challenges you face on the ground while working to protect vultures the biggest one which I see is basically the attitude. You know, vultures are not the prettiest, charismatic, cutest of uh, creatures. So <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes they don't draw that connection, that appreciation. But you know what? Some of those will not take out the trash. Um, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so one of the things is that, you know, that need to build a change in attitude uh, because sometimes people don't have that appreciation for something until, until it's too late. So it's one of the biggest things that I see as a head or as a challenge in terms of uh, vulture conservation. Once you get past that attitude issue, you, you, you know, you really begin to see the potential for people to really get connected um, with, voucher, with voucher conservation. So definitely the more we can work on people's attitudes, the more we can get uh, better results. The attitudes are not just restricted to local communities. They also even carry through to, you know, either issues around law enforcement where they are not where vouchers don't feature highly on species that need to be protected it also carries through to other parts of decision making so the attitude is cutting across different levels or different tires of people you know local communities government institutions um, you know, our legislation processes as well. So if we can have that change in attitudes in all these different sections of society, we'll probably achieve more for voucher conservation. Wow. Uh, and Fadzai, how effective 
have partnerships and collaborations with the various stakeholders you work with in the uh, protection of vultures proved to be over the years? I'm a big I'm a big believer of collaboration. And for me, it's one of the biggest ways of achieving higher impact. I mean, if we we can't all be everywhere at the same time and we all don't have the same skills. And the collaboration that we've had with some of the institutions, such as the National University of Science and Technology, in a way they bring in their research skills and scientific eye. And you know, we collaborate with brings in that extra skills and also that reach. We are not in every part of the country, so you know, working with the communities on the ground, you know, in Gwai, working with the Save Valley Conservancy setup allows us to have a presence, not physically, but for those delivery of those actions to take place in those different areas. So definitely collaborations are the way to go. And also, you know, with our bird life partners across the, the region as well, you know, sharing lessons, sharing what's working, how we can connect it all together. So definitely collaborations, yeah? Big believer in those. Okay, fantastic. And uh, as we wind up, how can our listeners, you know, support Bad Life Zimbabwe's vulture conservation efforts? Our listen the listeners can really help one in spreading the message. Please spread the message on the plight of vultures where we do need to have, you know, a lot of people advocating, supporting and understanding what is happening with vouchers and spreading the message. We would really love to have, you know, larger audiences having this conversation about, you know, uh, voucher um, uh, long term. Um, another way is also for them to also, you know, interact with us um, when we do about our, our post to really understand, you know, the actions that we are carrying through and why they are important um, on the ground. But the, really the big one is to really, really um, spread the message and also even advocate. We are not all in the same access to the same people or decision makers where there are opportunities to advocate for voucher protection in different areas, you know, please, this is what we need to have that um, conversation in lots of places that can make a difference. Okay, great. What, what a sober, what a sober conversation. What a guest. Thank you so much for Zana for coming to the show. We appreciate you so much. It's been great, Diblex, and I really enjoyed this. And I hope that the listeners will also enjoy uh, this um, conversation that we've been having. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, goodbye for now. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Oh, okay. Cheers. Bye. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast, and I'm your host, Diblex Lesalon. 
In this fifth and final episode of our new series, Vulture Guardians Helping Vulture Soar Again, in partnership with BirdLife Africa, I am honored to have this chat with Dr. Joseph Onoja. Dr. Onoja is currently the Director, Technical Programs of the Nigerian Conservation Foundation. He holds a PhD in Conservation Biology from the AP Levantis Ornithological Research Institute of the University of Jos, Nigeria with his research based in the Yankari Game Reserve, Baochi State. His research topic was an assessment of the extent and impact of anthropogenic activities on birds and large mammals of Yankari Game Reserve in Baochi, Nigeria. He was a visiting scholar to the University of St. Andrews, UK between 2013 and 2015. Dr. Onoja has also been involved in numerous scientific expeditions, service and conservation projects. Before his appointment at uh, Nigerian Conservation Foundation, he was a research associate with the AP Leventis Ornithological Research Institute where he was involved with the design and implementation of conservation-based research and supervision of the GEF and SGP-funded program to promote rural participation in environmental protection through rural empowerment. As the Director of Technical Programs in NCF, Dr. Onoja leads the implementation of all conservation programs of the organization, so far worth over 1 million USD in investment uh, from numerous donors. This covers the program thematic areas, which are species and habitat conservation, policy and advocacy, climate change and environmental education. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host Diblex Lesalon. First and foremost, I'd like to wish my fellow Kenyans a happy and peaceful Madaraka day and remind all of us really to keep taking the necessary precautions set uh, by the government and the World Health Organization as we all look to curb the spread of the COVID-19 which has had a negative impact on our economies and livelihoods over the past one year and as we all gear up towards marking uh, or rather celebrating a world environmental day uh, this weekend whose theme is restoration of our ecosystems i am delighted to have this chat with emma ocheng emma is a young lady who is passionate about sustainability and conservation and as a result she founded uh, towards a better earth initiative which is a youth-led initiative that seeks to advocate for sustainability and conservation through working with primary schools and universities to grow trees and spread the sustainability message and also partner with other initiatives to spread the sustainability message and grow trees. She is also the founder and project lead for Empower the Youth-led initiative, a platform that creates awareness on sustainable businesses. Her hobbies include reading, hiking, creating content and taking nature walks. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Uh, 